Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. Hello, Ivy Church. Hello, Ivy Church. Welcome to Ivy Church. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. So, what if one of the most important things you could possibly do in life to live the blessed life in our year of blessing, to have life in all of its fullness as Jesus promised, what if it looks like the opposite of actually doing something? What if it's about prioritising something that we tend to put last after we've done all the other things that we possibly can? I'm talking about rest and a biblical word for that would be Sabbath. What I say about that today might be a challenge to what you've thought about that word before. Um, And that's interesting because nothing shook the Pharisees more than what Jesus did and said about the Sabbath. And the longer you've been at this, maybe this will be more of a challenge to you than somebody fresh to it. But do keep on loving me and check out what I say against scripture as always. That's our sure standard. And if you're in a grow group, why wouldn't you be? Discuss this together. Last week, as we started talking about this being our year of blessing at Ivy, and we saw from Genesis chapter one that whatever God saw he created was good and he said so and he pronounced blessing over it. And then he made people right at the end as the pinnacle of his creation and he made them male and he made female and he blessed them and he said, very good. And then Genesis one is done and we turn the page and we're still seeing from a cosmic standpoint what God is doing as creator and look what we find him doing. Genesis chapter two verses one to three says, thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all the host of them. Remember that word host, job done that says. By the seventh day God had finished the work that he'd been doing so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he'd done. That's it, creation's done. Now we're going to look at that again, verse one. Verse one says, it was not mother nature, it was not just random. God made the heavens and he made the host of heavens, which isn't the stars, the word actually means armies. So this is talking about God creating spiritual forces in the heavenlies. He created them originally all as good but later we read one of them, Lucifer, rebels in pride and leads a rebellion against God and he's thrown out of the highest heaven. So the focus of his hatred now, because he knows he can never beat God, is the earth and because on it are God's children and if you're nasty and you can't hurt the parent you attack the kids. That just about sums up the context of what the Bible calls spiritual warfare. Principalities and powers and angels and archangels and demons and so on. So it says our fight is cosmic, it's not against flesh and blood. All of that is introduced just in that one verse, if you can see it, in Genesis chapter 2 verse 1. God created everything in heaven on earth and then he stopped creating. But we know the story isn't over, our story, history is just starting. It's fair to say the story so far is that God has been super productive. He's been getting stuff done. He didn't have to do any of it, but he's gone at it and he's smashed the most massive to-do list. And then we read about this rest that he takes. And whenever we talk about Sabbath and rest, I find there are two types of people who hear this very differently. I've pointed out various books, like one by John Mark Comer previously in the past, uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And I found it helpful for some, but terrible for others, because it depends who's reading it. 
Many of us are in the middle of this, but I'm sure you all know some people that are great at working, but terrible at resting. And the danger and problem there is obvious, except to them. But eventually, everybody around them sees it. Some other people are great at resting, but terrible at working. And the danger and problem there is obvious, except to them. But everybody around them sees it, eventually. If you're in the first camp, I believe of what a lot of what we're going to look at today is going to be really important. It's going to be vital because you need to learn in this year how to work to a plan, not to priorities, not to pressures. Pressures that come from others or maybe from your own. Perfectionism. Because it's interesting to me as I read this in Genesis chapter 1 that God could have made all these things, everything in the universe, in an instant, in a moment. But this says he didn't do them all at once. I love the line in the previous chapter where it says, he also made the stars, like easy peasy. But when he'd done that, even though everything was not done yet, he said, that's good, that's great work. It'll do for today. And there was more to do the day after. Like I say, he could have done it all at once, couldn't he? He's God after all, but he said, that's good, over and over. It was good, even though it wasn't all done. It was all good and the bible says these things are written for our instruction god wants us to learn from the way he works and notice again yes he works our god works jesus actually said my father is always working he stopped creating but he's still working in the world he never stops apart from this one day where he had a rest that we just read about there. And that was not for him or because he needed to, it was for us and to show us we need to rest. See, one of God's attributes, one of the things that makes him God is that he is omnipotent. Omni means all, potent means powerful. And he uses all that power to do what he wants to do. And he never runs out of power. So. That's why if, you, if you're going to do anything great for God or anything else, you're going to have to use some power to do it. You're going to have to work at it. If you're ever going to go above beyond just mediocre, it takes work. And I know that sounds like an unpopular thing to say, but it's reality. And we all, to a greater or lesser extent, prefer comfort. I'm the same as you. We think that's what's going to make us happy, but in the end it makes us lazy. It makes us miserable because actually we're made in God's image and work was what he did. And he told the first humans to do it as part of his blessing in creation, to join him and work with him. Work was part of God's original blessing. It's part of what makes us human. And when we enter the next life, guess what? There'll be work for us to do. There's going to be promotions there because of how we've worked here, because it's good and it's going to get better. See, people say all things come to he who waits. It's not in the Bible. You need to plan your work and work your plan and do something related to it just about every day. That's the only way you'll ever write the book or write the wrong or whatever God says he wants you to do this year. Don't just make a resolution this year, make a plan. What does God want you to do? Have you asked him? What do you need to do? That's not just what you want to do every day until it's done. You won't get anything great or worthwhile done in one day. We're not God. But one day, you will. And you'll see it was all worthwhile, and that's great, when you've worked at it. So you're going to have to work and rest. These are two very important parts of being human and living the life that God has blessed the way that God wants us to do. So God wants to take some of that all power 
and he works with it to create and make something that we call the universe and as part of that then he makes time so that there are distinct epochs or ages of time that the text calls days but seeing as day and night and sun and moon are not the first things God makes it can't be literal days remember he's not telling us how he did it that would be above my paid grade but this is to help us understand why and what he's doing so what if Sabbath isn't a day or could I open this up by asking if it's more than a day it's a state that the Jews ended up observing and making a day to observe it as he commanded but that wasn't the thing itself that mattered it was a shadow of what was to come that's what the Bible says about it I'll come back to that but later if you think you're working too hard and maybe you're not the best judge of all of that and maybe you need to ask others to be honest and perhaps you find that you are working too hard or maybe you're not working hard enough we all know some people and if enough people tell you it's you they they may be right it's good to listen to the counsel of others we know people who are not working hard actually they're hardly working but they're usually the last to see it because they're too busy procrastinating until the right time comes and then it's not the right time or it'll all be too much and the problem with that is you fill your life with what doesn't matter and you wonder why this year feels empty again so you might have genius ideas and dreams and thoughts you might be able to talk about them till the cows come home because yes you're made in the image of God and he wants to share his ideas with you to change the world with you but if you don't do anything about them maybe somebody else will if you don't if you don't fuel the idea enough to get a passion for it then start to make a plan and start to work the plan and discover what's the first actions towards it get started in the direction of the dreams that's all they're ever going to be you won't go to that place you won't build that building that family whatever it is because good things come not to those who wait but to those who work now I know somebody's going to shout out there about all oh, work-life balance how do you get that good question but if I may I think a better way to look at it because life doesn't come as neatly in reality as something you can balance is to ask how do I go about putting first things first Stephen Covey famously told a story that I find really helpful as a continual diagnostic to make decisions like that it's about a teacher who has a big bucket or a jar and she put in three or four big rocks and said is it full and everybody said no there's still room for more so she pours in some more pebbles up to the top and said is it full no there's a little room so she filled it with sand and then said is it full and then she poured in water to the brim and asked what am I trying to teach you and they said well, you can always squeeze more in yes said another if you try hard enough but the teacher paused and she said no if you want to get the big rocks in they have to go in first so the question then becomes for you and for me I can't work this out for you but what are the big rocks to live that life that God can really bless because he's showing you how to put first things first what are your big rocks and there are times and seasons of life when these have to change but what will it be for you what are the absolute musts because we all have this everything else going on all the time and the phones really don't help do they but without priorities all you end up with is problems and procrastination makes it work and that word actually priority is from the Latin and it just meant first it was singular it was a singular word but now last couple of hundred years we talked about having priorities my top 10 my top 20 priorities but is it, if everything is first 
Nothing really is. You won't even remember what was meant to be most important. What's first for you? And then what's the, what's the water? And what's the sand that really you should be saying no to? Is life just filling up? I hear this phrase all the time more and more, even more since COVID, I think. I haven't got capacity. I hear it all the time. And I do have a lot of sympathy for that because it's been very tough and busy for many of us. But what if the problem is actually not the capacity? The capacity is the same. But what is it I'm filling my life with? What's coming first in your diary, in your finances, in your thoughts and your time and your attention? And are you working on it like it's first? So when I talked about this and thought about it and prayed about it, I was thinking that, you know, really, I should put Zoe there first because I'm married to her. And if I, if I look after Zoe first and then I look after and I can put in other things like ministry time I've got to do or, or looking after myself in terms of, of, uh, of, of like going, keeping physically fit at the gym. And I, those are the kind of things that are going to help me to be able to do that. And I was really going to put Zoe there and maybe family and friendships and these kind of things into there and recognise they're more important actually than, than the work that we do in those things should serve together but sometimes I know that's not the way I live anyway and I was, then just yesterday I was talking to Zoe about this and I said I was going to draw this and I said just so you know I'm going to be putting you in first I'm going to write Zoe there and then family and she said no 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 she said listen you've got to put God first God has to be the big rock you've got to get God in first because if you do that that's going to make she said then you're going to love me better you're going to make a you know you'll be a better husband You'd be able to love me better and you'd be able to look after, after the rest of the family and, uh, you know, together with her. And then, and also if a God's in, in place first, then, then the ministry doesn't kind of come before him. Nothing comes, comes before him. It all sort of comes out from him. And the time and the things that I do, however you serve God, the way that you serve God, whatever that is in the world, by serving the world and serving other people. And, you know, if I'm, if, if I'm asking God, if I'm making time, to be with him he's going to tell me to look after myself he's going to help me to be able to you know, to to take a, a, some time off and to be able to to go to the gym and, and and you know to kind of look after myself you know you can kind of just put that as well-being people call that these days don't they but you know if i make any of these other things my first it's not it, it, god gets pushed out and he's meant to be for you and for me number one and he's first and when he is all the other things fall into place so what if the deal here is not about capacity what is about priority priorities what's coming first in your diary your finances your thoughts and attention like i said so this is what we're looking at and and god wants to be first and again i say zoe i'm glad i married somebody wise who said put god first because let's look again at genesis chapter 2 verses 2 and three it says by the seventh day god had finished the work that he'd been doing he got the work of creation done his work is complete it's perfect now what rest so on the seventh day he rested from all his work then god blessed the seventh day and made it holy set it apart because on it he rested from all the work of creating creating that he had done now let's not misunderstand this we don't get god wrong it doesn't mean rest like when we've been working hard and we're weary and we have to rest in order to restore our strength. God is not like that. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 28 says that the Lord does not grow weary. That isn't what this is saying. It just means his activity ceased. His effort ended. He stopped and he enjoyed what he'd done. No more creating. 
Now, God is still active and working, but he's not creating anymore. When we say we're creating, we're not really in the sense that we're not brand new, making something out of nothing. We're just rearranging what is there in creative ways. One day in the future, there will be a new creation that God will do, a new heaven and earth, but we're not there yet. So he created and he blessed his creation again and he said that's all completely good. And he was doing it to show us something. He didn't rest for himself. He sabbathed for us. Not because he was showing what he needs as God but what we need as humans. It's interesting that the word seven, the word sabbath and the word rest are all the basic same word in Hebrew, shavat. Seven, Sabbath, rest. So the heart of the meaning of Sabbath is rest. You can't Sabbath without rest. And that simply means cease, stop, stop working. This command became central to the lives of all God's people, all of the children of Israel, slaves, even animals were included in the commandment that came not to work, but to rest from work. So that then when we do work again, we can work from a place of rest. But Sabbath doesn't just mean a day off. On a day off, you might stop working for an employer for money and so on, but still work. A Sabbath is time, a period of time when I just rest and worship and worship and rest and I enjoy God. What I do is I make him the one rock. See, there's been a lot of discussion for years around Christianity about Sabbath and when it should be and what day it is now for us. Of course, in the Old Testament, it was commanded, it was Saturday, or rather from sundown February, uh, on, on Friday evening to sundown on Saturday evening, and they killed people for breaking the Sabbath. To this day, Orthodox Jews will jump through all kinds of hoops not to work on that day. Actually, I scrub that because hoop jumping would pretty much definitely qualify as work for them and they wouldn't do it. But then Jesus comes along and says, man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath for man. And then he goes around on Friday night and Saturday morning, what's he doing? Healing people, helping people, for which the religious leaders are furious and they kill him on a Friday and they rush the trial. And the reason they do that is because they're very careful to make sure they don't break the Sabbath on the day that they kill God which just goes to show how crazy legalism can become. Now, some people teach that the Sabbath then moves from Saturday to Sunday because he rose on the third day. But actually, I can't find evidence that the first disciples, who were Jewish, remember, changed to a Sunday and called it the Sabbath. They didn't call it the Sabbath. They called it the first day which it had never been before, really. They called it the first day because it was first in priority for them. It wasn't the Sabbath, it celebrated something different. They made sure they remembered the new day when the resurrection happened that changes every other day forever and ever. So, listen, please pray and study and check scripture on this for yourself. But I'm coming to the conclusion that Sabbath isn't necessarily a Saturday, it's not necessarily a Sunday. Actually, Sabbath, it was never, I can't remember when Sunday was a Sabbath for me. I work, anybody who works for a church is going to have to find some other time. And of course, I think there are many brilliant reasons for gathering together like this to worship the risen Lord. I just don't think that Sabbath is biblically one of them. Now, okay, that doesn't mean that I think you or I should observe Sabbath on a Saturday either, like Seventh-day Adventists argue that we should do instead. I think that's all just missing the point. Because according to the New Testament, there is a Sabbath. But Sabbath is not a date on your calendar or mine. It's not a day in the week. 
Now, of course, I'm serious about putting God first. And if I'm going to do that, I have to put that time in, into, like I would in any other relationship, in, in, in minutes and hours and days and months with God. And I'm blessed this year, God willing, from May to July, I'm going to have a sabbatical. Yay! The one and only one I've ever had in 30 years of full-time ministry, so probably way, way overdue. And what do I want to do? Rest and worship. Enjoy God and his creation. Do I need three months to do that? No, but sometimes days have come and gone when I hardly took three minutes to Sabbath. And I say that, and you're maybe thinking, what do you mean you didn't Sabbath? You had a day off maybe that week? Well, sometimes I didn't even do that very well. I tend to work six days and have one off. That's my pattern. But I'm trying to Sabbath better and to do so not just one day, but actually every day. How do I do that? Well, the New Testament letters to the Hebrews, who were, of course, Jewish, so they thought of Sabbath as a distinct day, as a Saturday. One of the major focuses there is to say that Sabbath from the Old Testament is now available to us bigger and better than ever. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 to 10, it says, So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. It's available to us now. For whoever enters God's rest also ceases from his labours as God did from his. He's saying there's a true rest. The blessed life now is to stop trying, stop striving in my own righteousness and effort, but to simply trust God, to trust Jesus to save me. Stop trying to save myself or rule myself. That's what the whole book of Hebrews is about. The religious laws and the rules and sacrifices and observances, he says they didn't just not work, but they were just shadows of something greater, something far greater that would surpass them all and would fulfill them all because we never could. See, I could never save myself by my own activity or even by my inactivity on a Saturday or a Sunday or any other day. That doesn't save me. In fact, you know some of the nastiest people in religious history have been brilliant at not doing anything fun on the Sabbath and making sure nobody else does anything either. So again, I'm not saying you shouldn't come to church on Sunday. I could give you hundreds of brilliant reasons to do so. Actually, some of them are sitting right next to you when you do. And I'm not saying if you have to work on Sunday that you shouldn't have a day off. You should because as the old proverb says, the bow that is always bent will break. So have a day off, have holidays, come to church, join a grow group. It's all brilliant, but don't do any of it because you must. Do it because it's, it's good, because it's, it's blessed. Come because you love Jesus and you love his people. You'll enjoy it way more than any sense of I have to. And then live a Sabbath life this year. Have a, have a Sabbath year in this year of blessing. Let's have a Sabbath time every day. Loads of Sabbath times in the week. And yes, plan it into your months too. Time for Sabbath, for rest and worship, because now there is a time of Sabbath, of waiting for God. And, 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 and it's been waiting for us. God's been waiting for us to enter into it. He loves it when we do that. But remember, Jesus didn't come and impose a Sabbath or change the Sabbath. Instead, he actually said, any day is as good as any other to do what God wants. Later on, the Apostle Paul wrote that one person observes a particular day as special, somebody else another day. Don't fall out about it, so don't fall out with me over this either. He told the Colossians, who were in danger of being taken over by legalists, let no one pass judgment on you with regard to food or drink or a festival, new moon or a Sabbath. These are only a shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Sabbaths were not an end in themselves. Just like all those sacrifices in the temple, Christ 
ended it all on the cross. Together with the rest of the ritual observances of, of what you can eat and what you can't eat, and people tried and failed to justify themselves by keeping them. They were all just meant to point to him. They were just shadows. So if now there is a Sabbath, and there is for God's people to enter into, when is it? Wrong question. How about asking who? Who is it? And the answer, I think, is given in the word of invitation of the Lord Jesus himself, recorded in Matthew 11. Words we probably know already really well. But now I want to leave you to pray and ponder on this and what it might look for you as you live out this year of blessing and as you order around the big rocks every day, every week, every month, because there is a Sabbath rest waiting for us to enter into. Yes, today on Sundays, but also on Monday to find him our Sabbath. On Tuesday night, and Friday morning and Wednesday after lunch and when we've been working, when we've been driving hard and even before we get so tired, we remember first things first and everything else is shifting sand but Christ is the rock and he is our foundation stone and he says, come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. He'll give you rest. It's not something I take but he gives me rest when I do what he says, take my yoke upon you. Stop trying to go it alone, pulling it, carrying it all by yourself and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you'll find rest. You'll find rest for your souls. See, when I come to Jesus as my Sabbath, he gives me rest and I find rest. When I stop my own activity and rest in him and what he's done and what he's doing, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, he says. So Lord, may we be blessed in this year of blessing as we enter into the rest that you've prepared for us in life. The Sabbath rest of putting you first, trusting you, taking your easy yoke, walking with you every day, worshipping and resting in what you've done so that we live a life of miracles and joy and power. And I pray this is a blessing over you now. Be blessed to rest. Be blessed to rest in Jesus. May this be a year when we are blessed because we find you, Lord, in our moments, in our days, and we find rest in you. Jesus, you promised you'd give us rest. And from that place of resting in you, we see your power released, reigning and ruling and producing what is worthwhile and satisfying in life as you give us and as you keep us in Sabbath rest. And everything else that we work out or do for your glory comes out of that place with you. Amen. 